and welcome back to another episode here on Viewpoints. I'm your host, Jordan Voiles, and we are here with our youth pastor, Sean. How are you doing, Sean? Uh, doing good, man. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you on today's episode. We're going to be talking about a few things. Uh, one of the ones is going to be repentance. Um, an invitation to repentance is what this is titled. So let's just dive right in. Um, repentance is a pretty churchy word. Um, we hear it a lot in the church. How do you think most people experience repentance in this life? Yeah, it's so I grew up in church, uh, so it's been in my vocabulary for a mm-hmm. long time. Um, but I know for somebody who maybe didn't grow up in church, repentance maybe isn't something you're familiar with. But I think uh, I would describe it mostly what we use it to describe is as turning away from something, like mm-hmm. what it means to repent. So repentance is just like the act of turning away from something. But I think in real life, we experience it in a lot of ways. Um, there's this thing that a lot of a lot of kids go through with their parents or maybe uh, just this phrase that gets thrown out there. Uh, my mom said it to me a lot. My dad said it to me a lot was, you can tell me anything. I promise I won't get mad. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. laugh because yeah. we've been there. We've been Absolutely. through it. You're like, oh, man, that is a promise ready to be broken. Right. Um, but I remember in those times, like I like that was like that invitation almost to repent. It's mm-hmm. like maybe it was something simple. Like if I was at home while my mom was at work, she asked me, hey, I need you to set the chicken out of the freezer so it can be thawed out for dinner. I hear the garage door coming up, the dun, dun, chicken's dun, dun, still dun, in the dun, freezer. Dun, dun, dun. And so I'm scrambling to turn on the water. Hot water. The sink. Yeah, 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 you know, you know exactly Absolutely. what I'm talking about. But then there's that moment where you hear the, did you forget to set this out until later? Mm-hmm. You can tell me, I promise I won't get mad. And it's this invitation that, to just confess, just to be upfront, to admit yeah. to what happened. And, and repentance, I think that's where a lot of people might experience it, is where um, there's this confession and then a change of action, I think, is where a lot of people experience it. But for me growing up, that promise to not get mad wasn't really kept. It's yeah. something that, that a lot of times that, that promise doesn't get kept and, and anger does come in or there's bitterness or there's unforgiveness in some level. Or it feels like, no, I don't think I can actually share this because I don't believe that you're not going to get mad. I don't believe that you're not going to accept me for where I'm at. And I think I know that was a problem for me, something I had to do a lot to overcome in in, in our church and in real life. I mean, it's got a name and it's shame is yeah. what that is, feeling that like my mistakes are who I am. It's mm-hmm. not just a mistake that I made. It becomes my identity. And so shame gets you trapped in that shame. Um, wants you to stick with that. It keeps you from seeking forgiveness. It keeps you from seeking repentance. Mm-hmm. And so when I am in church as a kid or as a, as a teenager in high school, and I hear about this idea of forgiveness, this idea of redemption, of freedom, whenever you repent from sins, yeah. it just sounded like a trick. It sounded like another one of those promises where I'm not going to get mad. And shame had become such a big part of who I was that it was blinding me to the truth of the gospel or the truth of who Jesus is, which has nothing to do with shame. Shame right. was getting in the way. It, it's it isn't it interesting though that we like put all that baggage on Christ though, like and like, well, if my dad was this way or my mom was this way, surely the way that God fathers me is going to be the same way. You know what I mean? It's 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 interesting how we draw that parallel. So you talked about shame. Um in the way of understanding who Jesus is, how do you think that happens? I mean, obviously we talked about that getting in the way, but let's dive a little bit deeper into that if we can. Yeah. So the the first time that shame created conflict between people and God mm-hmm. was in the Garden of Eden. 
Mm -hmm. uh, we look at the story in Genesis 3. You have Adam and Eve. It's it's a classic story. Whether you've been to church once or never, um, you probably are at least somewhat familiar with Adam and Eve. But what, what happens is they're here. They're in this perfect paradise. And more than that, they are with God. Like God's presence is, is with Adam and Eve. Um, and they just have this one... Uh, request this one command is do not eat from this one specific tree right a lot yeah. of people know the story and so what happens is adam and eve they eat the fruit uh they realize uh, in that moment that sin is now real like sin has just become part of what they've done like the decisions that they made just separated them from god and so shame comes into the picture and we see it as you know adam and eve they they realize they're naked right mm -hmm. they, there was no need for clothes there was no even like this desire to cover up at all because that comes with shame mm -hmm. uh, and so it i think it really reveals how deep the trust was broken right that this man and his wife that, that this woman and her husband feel the need to hide from each other right like that shame was so strong that that the trust was broken even between the two of them but then the shame also comes into the picture between them and God mm -hmm. as they hear God approaching and they hide from him. And, and shame warps our perception of who God is and, and it teaches us to hide from him. It's just this broken trust where, where we apply our own mistakes to our identity uh, and that warps our perception of the grace and the love that truly is present with God. And it draws a lot of people away. We hear it over and over and over again, uh, like in ministry, um, just in life in general. Oh man, church isn't for me. Yeah. Uh, like I, I can't, I can't walk in a church or I'll burst into flames or the ceiling will cave in or, oh, yeah. or I've heard it before too. Like, well, I, I think I got to clean up my act a little bit, but, but then I can come to church. Mm -hmm. and, and that was definitely something that I thought about myself. That yeah, absolutely. I needed to clean up my act. I needed to wait until I wasn't a sinner anymore to mm -hmm. go to God. And that's just so backwards of, of what it is, but that's the voice of shame. Yeah, man, that's good stuff. I remember a story happened when I was a little kid and you, you remember Bible man, right? I think we oh, talked yeah. about Bible man. Like I, I love loved Bible, man. Bible man. Chris is shaking his head right now. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> I love Bible man. <laughs> yeah. The armor of God. Absolutely. It was awesome. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I still watch Bible man to this day, but um, <laughs> yeah. So Bible man was coming into town. And we were so stoked. My family got me tickets. And um, I won't tell you the age I was because I don't even know if, how old I was. But I remember me and my brother were playing football in the, the living room. My mom had a lot of antiques. And I remember we broke one of her antique shelves that like could not mm. be replaced because it was like that special glass, you know. And I just remember our, me and my brother's first instinct was to hide. Like we hid in the, yeah. in the closet for like two hours. And of course, my punishment was you're not going to Bible, man. Like, oh. And I was just, I was so broken, but you know, it was cool to see my parents like forgive us. And we ended up going to the, the Bible man concert, but it kind of reminded me as you were talking, like that was our first instinct was, Oh right. my God, I got to like hide from this place and just kind of get away a little yeah. bit. It's totally ingrained in us yeah, as humans. So how do you think God for the listener answers to shame? Yeah. So I think ultimately with the title of this and, and the conversation about shame is that repentance is not a trap. Mm -hmm. It's it's not this bait and switch where it's just God trying to convince you to say everything you've done wrong so that he can punish you with the other hand. That's not what repentance is. Like God's answer to shame is ultimately his kindness and his loving mm -hmm. nature and, and how good he is. Um, it, it may sound sometimes, and I think a lot of people get confused um, because it, it can sound almost too good to be true that you can truly 
come to Jesus uh, in faith and receive pure freedom. Right. Uh, and there's not a catch. Um, but what that requires to walk towards Jesus is to turn away from sin. And that's yeah. what repentance is. It's right. turning away from something. So if we're repenting from sin, it's just turning away from sin and looking towards Jesus. And that and that's all there is to it. There's not a catch. I remember when I was 19 years old, I can say the age because uh, it's relevant to what happened. Uh, I got a ticket for a minor in consumption of alcohol. Mm -hmm. uh, and my dad is a police officer. My mom is a teacher. So this felt like oh. the end of the world for me oh my to get this ticket. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Do I hide it? Do I yeah. leave the country? Like I was <laughs> I was weighing all of my options. Were you more afraid of your dad or your mom? My mom, believe wow. it or not. My dad is a police officer. I felt like uh, interesting. I had a better chance of talking to him <laughs> about. Um, but it's interesting that you even bring up the fear in that because mm -hmm. it's the shame. Mm -hmm. It's the you, know, you made a mistake, you know something's wrong, and you feel like you're not going to be forgiven from it, that this is going to change everything. This is going to change the way people see you. But this was a moment for me, and it's so pivotal, and it's why I'm sharing it, is because through my parents, um, God just made such a paramount example of what grace is. Right. That uh, as I have this conversation and talk to them about it, you know, they, they bring me in. They say, well, hey, obviously, we got to work on this. And you're going to have to get through it because there's consequences when sure. they make mistakes. But they weren't waiting and sitting there to punish me for what happened. It mm -hmm. was, hey, we love you. We're not looking at you any different. And that was a real picture of, of God's love in the Bible. Um, there's several verses that I just want to highlight um, in this story in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are hiding from God and God calls out to them, ask them where they are. Not because he didn't know, but because he wanted them to come forward. Later on in the New Testament, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3 that God keeps his promises. He's not slow in keeping his promises, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. Mm, that's good. And then again in Romans chapter 2 verse 4 in the New Testament, uh, it says, Can't you see that it's God's kindness and it's intended to turn you away from sin? It's not a bait and switch. The invitation to repentance is real. The promise of freedom is real. The promise of forgiveness is real. And it's all through Jesus and what he did on the cross. That's awesome. Sean, one last question. Do you find it harder to, I mean, in the field that you're in with, with youth and kids, do you see that kind of more of a struggle with kids more in today's age, like with shame? It's interesting because the world tells you to be who you want to be, mm -hmm. but at the same time, mental health and everything is that it's it's just dismal yeah you, know, you look around and, and people are in terrible places and i really think that shame is extremely prevalent um i think social media makes it worse in a lot of cases i think uh, whatever platform it is we feel like we have to put our best self forward mm -hmm. and our worst self needs to stay behind the mask yeah um i don't know if it's i, I don't think it's exclusive to uh kids to teenagers but i think it's really prevalent there yeah because that's where we figure out who we are, who we want to be. That's right. where a lot of those decisions and thoughts really come in. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think it's there, um, which is why I, mean, I love what I get to do. I love that I can work with those students and hopefully be that picture of Christ's love and that invitation to repentance to them that um, I've seen before and that I've known to be true in, in Christ. That's awesome. Sean, thank you again for joining us today. And for the listener, I mean, just hearing Sean's words, it's our prayer that you you pray for his ministry and just all the kids that you come in contact with throughout the weeks um, to come. Uh, again, we, we thank you for being with us today. And again, stay stay tuned and look out for the blog. And we'll be sharing, you know, we've been doing the prayers each week on social media. So follow our Instagram and Facebook. Be on the lookout for that. Again, Sean, thank you. And to listener, we hope to see you next time. God bless. Mm -hmm.